We are glad to announce we have partnered with Thrive Fantasy for the upcoming NFL season. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. In case you don't know what Thrive Fantasy is, Thrive Fantasy is a daily sports app for player props. Thrive Fantasy has eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in respective sport. For this NFL season, Thrive allows you to choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The most points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $1.4 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and has $50,000 guaranteed in prizes for NFL Week 1. Use promo code PODCAST when you sign up today and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Last Take Sports Podcast. And today, we have another episode back for you guys about college basketball, and basically, we're just going to be talking about the recent events uh, relating to the college basketball uh, season for next year, and and we all know it's going to be difficult because of COVID, and we're going to be talking about that. But before we get started, we just want to say that we're going to be missing Elliot again for today's podcast. And it's really been tricky for all of us since the school year started because we've all been pretty busy. I mean, balancing school and our work and having to create podcasts. And also, we all have uh, sports after school, too, and extracurricular activities going on. It's just a lot going on. And we're doing our best to try to give you guys uh, the content that we want to make and the content that we want to, you guys to hear. So it's just a lot going on at the moment, but we're trying our best to get you guys uh, good content and good solid content. But as of right now, we're going to be talking about college basketball. So our first topic is, will there be a college basketball season? And all I have to say about this, I believe so. And I, I'm not really hesitating with this answer because you see how college football is going so far. It's going pretty well. You see how the NFL is going so far. It's going pretty well. You see how the MLB is going so far. It's going pretty well. All, all professional sports is going pretty well. And Henry said I uh, forgot to mention the NBA because the NBA playoffs are actually currently going on. So that's a pretty big thing. But, I mean, you, you look at all the sports going on, they're all going fairly well for the pandemic we're in right now. So there's no reason why there can't be college basketball season. But I think once um, they figure out how to keep these teams like under control and have them not really traveling across the country as much, I think there's no reason why they can't have a college basketball season. And if that means there won't be fans, I'm, I'm sure that will be the case. Because there, I, you see all these other professional sports, they're running well without fans. I, I mean, there's no reason to try to shake things up and ruin the possibility of getting college basketball back by adding another variable in fans. There's no point. If you want to play college basketball season, I think the best way to do it is have the teams kind of isolated in their own area with ju- just the teams, you know, no outside variables added in just have the teams, the players, the coaching staff. And then I think you have an actual season. 
but when when you have fans coming in you don't know where they've been if you keep the players and coaches under control I mean you know if you're keeping them under control you know where they've been and they're not catching COVID if you keep them like in a certain area or contained almost so adding in once again another variable in fans I don't think will work and will just only make things worse so I think there will be a college basketball season, but in order to do that, they have to do that without fans and just got to isolate the coaches, players, and teams. Henry, do you think there's going to be a college basketball season? Andrew, yes, I do believe there is going to be a college basketball season. But before I start giving my reasoning, I want to explain to a lot of people why we aren't talking about the NFL. I know you probably expected with the NFL week one and college football week one basically having being played over this past weekend and we thought we we've talked a good amount about the NFL maybe not so much college football but I th- we thought it was a good time after it's been about almost two months since we've talked about college basketball we thought it was necessary to bring up college basketball usually we'll probably be talking about college basketball co- or college football my bad and NFL about every other week co- adding in a couple other different kinds of podcasts but let's move into my reasoning why I do believe there's going to be a college basketball season and I think it's just hard to see a year without college basketball especially how the cases have been trending how all the sports you mentioned have been working very well I think a bubble obviously it's going to be really hard to do a bubble because of how many teams there are but different kinds of bubbles all around the country will be a very good way to separate the teams and I know I know you've mentioned it being very hard to include fans but I think maybe a good idea this will not happen I can 100% guarantee you this but each team is able to bring in maybe 500 to 1,000 fans who also get quarantined into the bubble and they get to come to every single game that team plays in their selective region because I think a lot of these teams will be stuck in the places that they are starting their seasons in for about a couple, two to three weeks, and they have to pay a lot of money to get those tickets. But I think you will see a lot of fans who would be willing to pay that much money to come see their college basketball teams play. And college basketball does bring out a lot of, a lot more fans than you see maybe in the NBA, MLB, maybe NFL, but college sports are what really bring out the fans and everyone. And I think it'd be cool to maybe see some fans as the MLB has mentioned the possibility of bringing fans in for the world series. I think it could be possible to bring some type of fans other than just family into the bubbles for the college basketball season. Yeah. And Henry, you see the NFL doing it right now. They're trying to bring some fans in and it's working as of right now, I guess. I mean, we've only seen one week of it. But you saw the Denver Broncos do it on Monday night. They had family come in. That's about, they said it was about 550 people or something like that, around 500. That went pretty well with just the players, family, and guests. And then you had uh, the Kansas City Chiefs who had a lot more people. I think they had something like a couple thousand there. And that worked fairly well too. So the only thing with that, though, is because they're outdoor uh, they're outdoor sports, so you got a lot more air, breathing breathing room, I guess you could say. You're not really sharing much of the same air. But when it's indoor, that that's a different story. That's why I, I don't think you're going to get to that five or that uh, 
thousand fans in the arena I don't think you'll get there I think maybe if you are going to bring fans you do what the NBA is doing maybe bring a a couple family members or a guest or two per uh, player but I I don't think you're going to see many fans in that arena because it's indoor plus I mean I just think it's a risk. It's a health risk to the players. And there's a very good chance if at least one of those people walk in that arena with COVID that you could start seeing college basketball being shut down again. So why take that risk? That's why I'm saying I think you just let them play without fans. And that's the best way you get the college basketball season to play out. You know, Andrew, obviously I didn't think it'd be very realistic for fans to come, but I think I can speak for both of us here by saying we want to see college basketball be as normal as possible and I think there's a good chance that's going to happen I think most teams will get probably 25 30 regular season games and I think the conference tournament and NCAA tournament will happen like normal I think those are more likely to happen because everyone's kind of in the same area for about a week or even longer and I think it'd be much easier when you're having team a lot of teams stay in one area instead of all teams moving around the country throughout the year but let's move on to our next topic and you've seen a lot Andrew of these early season conference or college tournaments that are being moved from sites as the battle for Atlantis has been moved to South Dakota and there's there's tournaments in all over the country and even outside of the country as I mentioned the battle for Atlantis are being moved like the Charleston Classic or is mo- being moved to Orlando. There's a lot of different sites that the NCAA is using to still be able to play those early season tournaments, as you've also seen the Champions Classic, which is one of the biggest early season college basketball nights, in, which is usually the first night, being moved to Orlando. And I think if you're able to kind of keep teams there for a week or two, I think it's it'll be it'll be very – easy to play the season like normal as you see the NBA is doing that very well and I think you could see conference play being used that but I think or non-conference play being used like that but I think conference play would be very easy if you have one bubble and the team stay there for two about from probably January to about the second week in March where where they play their conference tournament there as well. And I think co- the conference play could go very smoothly when you're having teams quarantine and everyone's there and you're not kind of messing around with teams. Everyone's just staying in one location for that long. But Andrew, what do you think about these early season tournaments still happening and them just moving sites? I, I mean, I like the idea of obviously these tournaments because there's some big early games, but I just want to know your opinion on if you think these games will still happen or you think there's a good chance we're going to go to an only conference schedule? Well, Henry, I think there's a good chance these uh, games happen because I think they're moving them to smart spots and they're really thinking it out where they're going to move these tournaments. And they're putting a lot of thought into it, like what places have the least amount of COVID cases and what places can hold a certain amount of teams in a bubble or in a specific area where they want these games to be played in without having the players at risk. And I think that the NCAA has had enough time to think all that stuff uh, through to the point where I think they could successfully have these big non-conference games. 
And just the one thing here is that concerns me is these players are away from school. I mean, one thing between the NBA and the college basketball scene is NBA, these guys can stay in a bubble for however long they need. And their only responsibility, I guess, aside from their families, is basketball. That's their job. Right now, these college players are student athletes. And the student comes first before athlete. And, I mean, just have, thinking about having them away in a bubble for weeks or months, whatever it might be, for that non-conference schedule, or maybe even going into the conference schedule, that, that kind of hurts their academics and how they can learn because I don't think they'll be able to do it successfully. And you can make the argument they're already online, or some of them are already online. They could just do it online. But it's hard being away from your designated work spot and having to – Henry, I see, I see you have to say something. Uh, you're, you're really itching over there about something. But I just think it's really hard for these players to have to continue their education along with playing basketball in a location where – upon weeks upon months where they're not normally learning and playing basketball at. I think it's just a lot for these college students, some who are still teenagers to handle. And I don't think they're going to get the right education they need uh, to be a successful student. You know, Andrew, it's, I actually strongly disagree with you here. And when you think about it, they're always moving all over the country anyways, because usually they're playing home and away games instead of all neutral games. And it's, it'll, I think it'll be easier actually that for them to learn, especially if they're in a conference bubble where they're staying in one spot and they're just not having to move around and, and they're in a non-conference bubble where they're staying and move, not moving around. I think it'll be easier for them to learn and focus without having to worry about, Oh, I have to go fly in a plane the next day. Oh, I have to move somewhere the next day, but it's, it's going to be very, interesting to see that if these bubbles do happen how these student athletes are able to learn but I think it'll be a lot like or even easier from what you've seen in the past from these athletes because usually they have tutors and individual teachers who are helping them when they're on the road and they'll just have to bring those along with them and they'll just have to teachers will just stay with them throughout the entire college basketball season yeah and Henry just the one thing is that these these teachers, they, I don't, I don't think these players are gonna get like the attention they need from these teachers. A lot of these guys focus solely on basketball. To think now that they're in a location where they're not normally being at, I just think it hurts their um, academics even more. I mean, a lot of these guys sometimes take, unfortunately, take the athlete before the student. And what these guys have to understand is the athlete part doesn't last forever and they need to have a backup plan after the athlete part runs out for them in their life journey. And the fact that right now that these couple months of being away from school and having to learn far away and just being in a location they're not normally used to being at not having the tutors that they need, that they can get at school that they have access to, not having the learning centers that they have access to at school. 
I think it's too detrimental to their education. And I, I still think this, this uh, idea of non-conference play will work in these uh, locations, separate locations will work. I just don't know if it's the right decision because of the education, but I'm sure it'll all work out. And I, I honestly like the idea a bit more because I think it helps the season to have the potential to be played out by moving these games to certain locations in certain bubbles. You know, Andrew, before we move on to our next topic, I really want to give props to the NCAA. They, they failed with college football. So before the season, they kind of got it on track. They failed, I feel like, with college basketball back in the spring. But they're really turning it on now for the college basketball season. And I, I want to give them props to how well they've been running it over the past couple of weeks, moving all these tournaments before the season, not waiting till it starts to cancel everything, knowing how they're going to schedule. I mean, there's, they're about to make an announcement, I think, tomorrow when the, when the official start date will be. And I think they're moving in a direction that is in a good spot for them to play the season normally. And each team to play 30 games and not have to have half their team on the bench or not even on the bench sick. And I like where the NCAA is moving with this, but let's move on to our next topic, Andrew today, which is the ACC and other NCAA affiliated members have recently come up with different ideas on how the NCAA tournament could be possibly played. And one of the ideas that, I wanted to bring up today, Andrew, was every single college basketball team in Division One who played a minimum of, I think, 13 games would be the minimum this year due to COVID-19 would make the NCAA tournament. And Andrew, I want to hear your thoughts on this before I bring up a couple other ways they've mentioned on playing the tournament. Yeah, and Henry, I don't know if I'm really feeling it. I mean, you think about, like, COVID – and you're trying to have the least amount of people as possible to try to limit this virus. And now you're putting, I think it's 300 something D1 teams. I don't know the exact number and I'm not going to try to guess it, but I know it's like 300 something teams putting them in a bubble or whatever it is. It's just not going to work. Putting them in separate locations. It's just a lot of teams, a lot of players, a lot of staff. These kids are still in school. You might have to bring along a couple tutors, whatever it might be. It's just a lot of people. It's too many. And to be able to control this virus, that, that won't fly. And I just don't think there's a way that can, they can get all or every team in just in a bubble or whatever it might be for the NCAA tournament. Just get every team to play in the NCAA tournament. I mean, there's only a certain amount of spots across the country where they could successfully play this NCAA tournament. And to have that many teams just blows that all out of proportion, I feel like. And they're taking, like, their chance to actually successfully have the NCAA uh, tournament totally out the window, almost taking it for granted. And now they're just taking advantage of it, trying to put too many teams, and I think it won't work out. You know, Andrew, another reason why I think that it's a bad idea, like you said, I think, you know, the NCAA tournament has been a tournament that it's an honor to make it. And when you add each team, every team then has their first birth. And it's 
not as amazing to make the tournament when every team's made it at least once. And I like the 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 amount of teams that they have now. Obviously, sixty four is sixty eight. Actually, is a very good amount. I think possibly doubling the tournament wouldn't be the worst idea. Obviously, you add a chance for more COVID cases, but I think with the possibility of a shortened season, it wouldn't be the worst idea. But Andrew, let me mention one more idea that I've heard. And it is if a team in where there's four teams, let's say there's the one seed, the 16 seed, the eight seed and the nine seed, for example, and one of those teams were to get sick and they were not able to play. The idea would be that the one eight and nine seed would all play a three team round Robin and whoever were to win the most games or whoever wins the tiebreaker would then move on to the Sweet 16 or whatever type of situation they're in. And Andrew, I want to hear your thoughts on this because it's a very interesting proposal that I am not much of a fan of and I don't think it will happen based off of how their work, they're going to start doing, you know, quarantining the teams and bubbles. But I want to hear your opinion because I see you shaking your head there and I can just tell that you don't think this is a good idea along with what I think. Yeah, Henry, this is just getting just too far away from the goal, I feel like. And these are just getting too ridiculous. I say you stick with the 68, which is probably less than any other proposal, less teams, less players, less staff than any other um, proposals you're going to have. And I say you just play the tournament like it's supposed to be played. I, I think you try to normalize this as most as possible and you gotta you gotta just stay on track here and have the normalized NCAA tournament we're all looking for. So I say you keep it where it's at, you keep it normal, and you gotta like stop with all these ridiculous proposals. I think the the best way to do this is to spread them across the country in their own separate bubbles, own separate locations, each uh, region of the NCAA tournament. You play it out. You maybe have a couple locations in each separate region where teams play at and stay at. You got to keep them separated. And I think this way with the 68-team tournament, that's the way you keep uh, the least amount of uh, people to contract COVID and the least amount of people to have in these bubbles for the safety of the players. You know, and Andrew, that is, as of now, what I've heard, that is the plan to have the season as much as normal as they can. But let's move on to one of our final topics today, which is recent college basketball recruiting. And, you know, there's been about seven, eight, five stars in the past couple months since we've talked about college basketball that have committed to their new schools. Obviously, this is the 2021 class. I think there's a couple five stars from the 2022 class that we'll mention that have committed to schools, mostly to Michigan State, that we'll mention, obviously, because we are Michigan State fans, which will be our next topic after. But I'm going to go through real quick and list the, the five stars that have committed, and I'll let Andrew give his thoughts on some of these commitments after. But starting with Matthew Cleveland, he committed to Florida State, along with Jalen Warley. Just recently today, Nathan Biddle committed to Oregon. Kendall Brown, a couple months ago, right after we did the podcast, com committed to Baylor. Peyton Watson 
committed to UCLA also a couple days after we recorded the podcast. About a week or two after we did the podcast, Enoch Boyake committed to Michigan State. And then about one or two weeks ago, maybe even three, Jaden Aikens announced his commitment to Michigan State. And then one of the biggest shockers, if not the biggest shocker of this two-month span of recruiting, Paulo Banchero shockingly announced his commitment to Duke. And Andrew, I want to hear your thoughts on some of these recent big, big commitments that we've seen. And how do you think some of these players will affect their teams in the future? Yeah, and Henry, I just want to uh, clarify for some of the listeners, the podcast you were referring to was our college basketball recruitment update podcast that we uploaded around July, early July, I think it was, or maybe mid-July, yeah, and we basically, so all these guys were the guys that committed after that podcast, so first of all, I want to talk about uh, Florida State, I mean, they racked up two five stars I believed it was I believe it was with Matthew Cleveland and Jalen Warley I believe it's just wherever you look it depends on where you look and whether they're a five or a four star nonetheless there's still really good talents I think Florida State has a bright future ahead for their basketball program you got Tennessee picking up a huge commitment from Kennedy Chandler five star I thought that was incredible Baylor Baylor's actually been having a great recruiting class for 2021 I believe and we we only listed one Kendall Brown with who was I believe a five-star but they also had a couple four stars to commit to I forgot who they were but they they are having a really good recruiting class over there Oregon I mean this is probably their best recruit since Bobo and Nathan Biddle our best commit so I I think that was a huge win for them they need a great big man since Bobo, of course, left a couple years ago. So I think he will be the next great big man for Oregon in the next draft pick coming out of Oregon. NBA draft pick, of course. Then you got Peyton Watson committing to UCLA. And yeah, I mean, the past couple years, you haven't seen many great recruits commit to UCLA. But now, I mean, past couple years, I think it was Lonzo Ball. Wasn't much. Lonzo Ball was the last great guard, at least, to commit to UCLA. I guess you had Jalen Hands and you had Moses Brown. I'm pretty sure his name was the center. But besides that, you didn't have much. And UCLA is a blue blood school. And for them not to be that much, or not to have that much recruiting luck in the recent years, not great. Peyton Watson turns that around. Five-star commit to go to UCLA will probably will probably be the next great guard there. Who knows? We'll see. And one of the commitments that shocked us all, I mean, you see Kennedy Chandler, he commits to Tennessee. And now you see all these crystal balls coming in for Paulo Banchero to commit to Tennessee. And you're wondering, these guys went on their Tennessee official visit together, Kennedy, Chandler, and Paulo. And now you're thinking, you see all these crystal balls coming in. It's meant to be. They're teaming up there. Tennessee's program's going to be turned around. And then out of the blue, Paulo Benchero commits to Duke University, where there was no crystal balls for him to go there. There was no predictions for him to go there. Just 
all of a sudden commits to Duke. And Duke picks up yet another top five recruit. And that killed me because maybe, I, I just thought maybe this would be the year where Duke doesn't have a top recruiting class. And maybe these other schools like Baylor, like Tennessee, like Florida State, like Michigan State have a chance just to get up in those recruiting rankings and have that excitement of saying, oh yeah, we're above North Carolina. We're above Duke. We're above Kansas. But no, Duke has to land another top five recruit. That pissed me off. Congratulations, Paula. You were in the NCAA again. Um, and then on to Michigan State, you got Enoch Boyake, who is a four or five star, depending on where you look. I mean, he could be like the next Xavier Tillman type big man, big, physical, strong guy in the paint. Love that pickup for Michigan State. You got Jaden Akins, the guard out of uh, Farmington High School, right by our hometown in Michigan. I mean, that guy is in the top 100, four-star, great pickup for Michigan State at the guard spot. And then just speaking on Michigan State, of course, you had Imani Bates commit back in end of June. You've had uh, Pierre Brooks commit, I think it was in May. Then you had Max Christie commit right after Imani Bates in July. Tom Izzo, I mean, congratulations. You are putting together a class. I mean, obviously, Enoch Boyake and uh, you had Amani Bates. They're both in the class of 2022, and the rest are in the class of 2021. But if you could possibly get Amani Bates and Enoch Boyake to reclassify to the class of 2021, this will go down as one of the all-time great classes for Michigan State and probably – one of the best classes in recent uh, recruiting um, years. So congratulations to Michigan State. You could put together one of the best classes in the past years that we've seen in a while. Yeah, Andrew, and that leads us into our final topic today, which is Michigan State basketball. And as you know, if you've listened to any of our podcasts about college sports, we are Michigan State fans, including Elliot, who, as we mentioned earlier, is not able to join us tonight. But let, let, let's give our thoughts on how we think Michigan State's going to be this season, Andrew. And I've seen uh, predictions where they're going to be around the top, obviously in the top four of the Big Ten with Iowa, Illinois, and Wisconsin. They're going to be a top 15 team. And Andrew, do you think this Michigan State team has a potential to win the national championship or be a Final Four team? Henry, I don't think this team has the veteran leadership for this year. I think you got Joshua Lankford as a senior, and that's basically the one veteran leader you got. I mean, I guess you got, like, all these juniors, like Aaron Henry, Foster Lawyer, Gabe Brown, Marcus Bingham, Thomas Kithier. But I, I just don't think all those players are experienced enough I mean, these past two years, Michigan State lost a lot in their veteran players. I mean, with Matt McQuaid, Kenny Goins, and then this year you had Xavier Tillman go, and you had uh, Cassius Winston, of course, who is the heart and soul of your team. I just – I think they're a little too young 
for a Tom Izzo team. Tom Izzo, this is probably one of the youngest teams he's ever played with, I think. And to play with all these young guys, inexperienced nonetheless, I don't think they have it to go all the way. I hope they can prove me wrong, but I, 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 I like what they have. I like their guys that they have coming in and A.J. Hoggard and Maddie Sissoko, but I don't think it's enough to go deep in the tournament. I think they will play well in the regular season. I think you got to watch out for Joshua Langford, of course, coming off of the injuries he's had in the past. Now he's finally healthy and looking to have a big year, which I think he could possibly have. And of course, you have Aaron Henry and Rocket Watts who are looking to have big years to eventually uh, declare for the NBA draft after the season, most likely. But I think where we're really lacking at is the big man. I think we have a lot of depth there, but I don't think we have a lot of star caliber players at the college level at that position yet. I mean, we're, they're, they're still very young at that position, but I just don't think they're ready yet there. And then I think at the guard spot, or the, at least the point guard, I don't, I don't think we're that deep in. And uh, to have a ball, someone take the ball up and to control the ball, I don't really think we're that deep there. And I don't think we really have a true leader in this offense that we could rely on. So do I think they have the chops to make it to the national championship? No. But do I think this team will still be a solid team and have a chance to maybe, just maybe win the Big Ten? Sure. Yeah, I think there's a possibility. I just don't know if it's enough to make the NCAA championship. You know, Andrew, I do think this team has Final Four potential. I don't think they'll win a national championship. They're not good enough. But they were – most of these guys have played with probably the greatest, if not top – if not the greatest, top three greatest leaders in Michigan State basketball history. And playing, like, with someone like him just – influences you into becoming a better leader yourself and I think even though we're a very young team I think a lot of these guys have matured as players and although Cassius Winston's gone Josh Langford was arguably the best player on Michigan State before Cassius before he got hurt and he won't be the same I can tell you that now he probably won't start that's it will probably we're going to uh give our starting predictions after this but what really could help Michigan State this year is I obviously they're a very young team, but young teams struggle on road games with teams with tough crowds. And at the rate we're going, they're not going to have to face that very often, if at all, this year. And that could very much help them into winning a few more games that they wouldn't like if they had to go play at Michigan, had to go play at Purdue, who are middle of the pack Big Ten teams, but who would probably beat them pretty easily if it was a away game for Michigan State but now that it's going to be a neutral game or there'll be no most likely none little to no fans in the stands I think it'll help Michigan State with such a young team but I want to make a quick note that if this team had Xavier Tillman this team without a doubt in my mind is a top five team a a national championship contender because that's how much of a leader and how much Xavier Tillman meant to this team but Andrew, if you don't have anything else to say, which if you do, I'm glad to let you talk, but why don't you give us our your starting five for Michigan State this upcoming basketball season? 
Yeah, Henry, one thing before I go to the starting five, as you mentioned, Xavier Tillman declared for the draft, and a lot of people thought there might be a good chance he stays. Then he had to leave for the because he had to take care of his family. Of course, he had two kids already by the time he declared, and that's a lot of responsibility. But I, I agree with you. I mean, Xavier Tillman was the heart and soul of this team and was the true veteran leader of this team. And he represented everything that this team is and what could have been. Honestly, I think, as you mentioned, I think they could have been a top five team and, and a legit national championship contender. But now they're lost looking for a starting center. I think they'll find one. I think it will be a little bit until they do because they just got to test a lot of guys out there. But let's move into my starting five. And I think this could be very interesting and could go a lot of ways, but I'll give you what I think it will be on opening night. And I think it will be Rocket Watts at the point guard. I think you got Joshua Lankford at the shooting guard. I think they try to work him in uh, starting first game. And then I think you get Aaron Henry at small forward then I think you probably get Malik Hall at uh, power forward. And then, I, or actually, no, no, no. Let me, let me change that. I think he puts Malik Hall as the sixth man. And then I think he puts Thomas Kithier as the power forward on opening night. And then I think he puts Joey Hauser, the Marquette transfer that had to sit out last season because he was not eligible. I think he puts him at the center. And then I think this record will be somewhere around 20, or if they play the full season, I think it's somewhere around 20 wins. And then I think in their uh, Big Ten, uh, how many wins they'll get, I think will be somewhere around like 15. And then, and then I think NCAA finish, I think will be somewhere around um, maybe Sweet 16, I give them. But, yeah, that's that's basically all I've got for Michigan State. I think, once again, I think they get somewhere around 20 wins and around 15 in the Big Ten. And then I think that they uh, finish around Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. I'm really looking forward to this team. It's very young. We're going to see a lot of new guys out there and getting more playing time that they're used to. And I'm excited, man. I just want to see some college basketball. And I think Michigan State has a lot of potential there with that young team. And I think if all the pieces of the puzzle come together and they all end up working out, I think they, they have a chance to make a deep run in that tournament, possibly. You know, Andrew, one quick thing I want to mention before I give my predictions is – this team is going to rely a lot on Rocket Watts and what he's able to do at the point guard position, which I will mention that I have him as my starting point guard for this team. But if Rocket Watts is able to average, you know, 20 and six, this team could be a final four, even somehow a national championship contender. Cause it's all, I mean, it's when you're playing, when it's one game elimination, any team can win, but I'm going to get into my starting lineup and then my season predictions for this Michigan State team. I think we'll talk about college basketball probably once or twice more before the season starts, which either could be end of November, mid-November, or even early December. But for Michigan State, I do have Rocket Watts starting at the one, and I think it's pretty obvious there. I don't think there's anyone else Izzo's going to really trust there at starting the starting spot at the two. 
slash three. I have Aaron Henry and Gabe Brown playing on the wings. I think Josh Langford's obviously going to get his time. I think those guys are going to, they're going to, all three of them are going to play a lot, but I don't think Josh Langford will start right away because he, I don't know how much or how comfortable Izzo is with playing him. Obviously, Izzo loves Langford, but I think he's going to try and keep him healthy, not run him into the ground earlier in the season. And I think he'll uh, be restricted on minutes early in the season. But moving on to the power forward position, I think this is probably one of the easier decisions I have, unless you want to play him in the center, which I don't think would be the best decision. I do have Joey Hauser playing Hauser, Hauser, however you say his last name. I have him playing at the four, at the power forward. Obviously, as you college basketball fans know, he's a transfer from Marquette. I think he's going to be a very good shooter. This Michigan State team is going to be able to get out and run, and they're going to be very long defensive, and it's they're going to be a tough team to score on. And then finally at the center spot, this is just to start the season. I don't think this guy – actually, for sure, I don't think he will finish – the end the season as a starting center but Thomas Kithier will start at the center position to start the season I think Izzo trusts him the most at least to be solid and he knows he's going to be at the right place at the right time and not mess it up I don't think he'll end there because I think someone will end up showing that they're good enough to play there maybe Joey Hauser slides down to the five and then Malik Hall starts at the four but I think Thomas Kithier starts there because Izzo has a lot of trust in him. But moving on, before I let Andrew talk again, is my predictions. I think this Michigan State team, if they were to play a full 31 games, I think would, that would be their total amount of games they play. I think they'll finish with a record of about 23, 24, and 8 or 7. In the Big Ten, I think they'll finish around 14, 15 wins which would be for second or about second to fourth in the big time. And I don't think they'll win it. I think they'll lose in either the championship or the semi semifinals of the big 10 tournament. And then the NCAA tournament, I do have them going to the elite eight and losing. I don't know who to obviously, but this is just coming off the top of my head. That's where I think this Michigan state team will finish around. Yeah. And Henry, one last thing before I think we wrap up this podcast, would be, as you mentioned, Thomas Kithier and Joey Hauser. Uh, they are pretty much, I think, interchangeable at that four and five. And I think both could play either spot. And I think it'll be interesting to see what Izzo does. And maybe he benches one or the other and puts Malik Hall at the four. And either one of those guys maybe plays at the five. And maybe... Malik Hall slides up at the three. There's a lot of uh, – what I'm trying to say here, there's a lot of possibilities that Tom Izzo could try to do with this starting lineup, I think. And a lot of these guys can play multiple positions. So I, I think there's just – it's going to be very interesting to see what type of lineup he comes out with opening night and to see what this team actually looks like with their new roles. I think a lot of guys are going to be having new roles this season and they're going to be playing new spots. Maybe some guys are going to play more minutes and just a lot of things that they're not used to be playing and then you start getting more comfortable with. So it's going to be interesting to see how they come out that first night they play. 
You know, and Andrew, I want to mention real quickly before I wrap it up is this Michigan State team is going to be very exciting to watch. A lot of new guys, as you mentioned, a lot of guys are going to play. This team is very deep. Probably the deepest team is is I was had in a while. I mean, obviously last year's team was deep. The year before wasn't. But this this team is extremely deep, and a lot of guys are going to play. And the good part is, if guys aren't playing well, Izzo just has another guy that he can just throw out there, and it's 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 going to be very very nice to see a lot of fresh bodies and not seeing Cassius Winston having to play 40 minutes a game every single game and guys being more fresh in, in the NCAA tournament not basically dying because they've been run into the ground all season. But with that, I think this will be a very, very good time to wrap up today's podcast. I want to thank everyone for listening. Obviously, don't forget to use our promo code podcast on Thrive Fantasy with when you make a purchase minimum $20 and you'll get an extra $20 to use on Thrive Fantasy. But with that, don't forget to download, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. And we'll see you guys next time on the Last Take Sports Podcast.